Welcome to A Woman's Brew, where women talk about beer. In today's episode, we dip our toes into the world of wine. Beer-themed wine, to be more specific. I'm Joanne, and this is Tori. Hello. And we're two beer-loving women on a mission to get more people drinking and talking about great beer. Come join us. An interesting one, I think. Yeah. Um, we are we are we, we're conscious that um I feel like we've been told so many times that like, oh, if you're a woman and you go place, you have you get you get a wine menu instead of a beer menu. Or so a gin menu. Or a gin menu or a cocktail menu. So yeah. we thought, why not cover beer that could be for people that also like beer and wine and everything else? It collab it, it, it sort of combines the two. Yeah. So we thought it would be a fun thing to do so we thought we would kind of start with uh, white wine and sparkling wine and then next week we'll take you through red wines and rosés and um maybe in future we'll go through cocktails and gins and everything else just to yeah. uh if there are people that enjoy wines and they don't necessarily enjoy beer or they don't think they like beer, maybe we can find a beer for them as well. I think there's, I think, I don't know, what do you think? Jo? I think that there's a beer out there for everybody. I think there's a beer, there's literally Honestly. a beer for everyone. I just think people haven't tried it yet. If, if you enjoy alcoholic beverages. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Although, actually there's, there's non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic beer, So, you know, you might be all right there as well. There's um, non-alcoholic everything, yeah. yeah so. so I think there is. I think people have a, an idea of what beer is but there are so there's such a wide range of flavors and styles out there that you can't possibly have tried every type of beer to know that you don't like beer so gotta be open-minded <laughs> I feel like one of those irritating friends though that when you're like uh, as a teenager when someone was like oh try these drugs or something and then you were like <laughs> I don't know I'm good like doesn't do anything for me they're like you just haven't had the right kind of drug like you haven't I, had you mine I, and are you just literally like, just equating drugs with beer like... no no I'm saying I feel like that type of person that's like yeah you just haven't tried the right one yet and then it's like, maybe maybe there's not but I I truly think that there is a right one for everybody and because there's so much like you don't said, do drugs like, people there's not a right drug drugs. for everybody there is, there is what not she's talking about it's not that, a right drug. That was not the analogy that she thought it was. It was when she started out saying. Um, it. You can cut this out, but I also I stand by hundred percent what I said because there's people that do say that, and that is the that is exactly the analogy of yeah, how no, I but, feel I am of going. You just haven't had the right one yet. That's how I feel I sound like right. that person. Right. Okay. <laughs> Except this time, I really... think she sounds like a drug dealer. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. But uh, this time, I really genuinely think that there there is. I truly mean that I think there is a beer for everyone. You just have to find it. And I think the problem is sometimes it could take a lot of patience yeah. and trying. And you have to try like hundreds that you don't like first, maybe. And some people don't have the patience, <laughs> rightly so, or the money, <laughs> rightly so, to sift through. Yeah. So hopefully, if you are a person that likes wine, <laughs> maybe we can help you today. We'll see. Or next week. Let, let's give it a go anyways. <laughs> so um, I guess we can start with white wine. I actually do have You've uh, actual wine, haven't you? Actual wine. I mean, I we opened I this, I think, to cook with it. And then we've been trying to get rid of it for a while. So I'm going to pour myself a glass of, of uh, white wine. 
while we sort of go over the tasting notes where yeah that smells very white wine that is a Ooh, white, a, so white a, wine. <laughs> like a wine drinker and a wine sommelier would tell you that it it doesn't smell like air quotes white wine there is much more to it just like beer doesn't yes. taste or smell like air quotes beer. i'm gonna qualify totally. this as well i'm gonna qualify <laughs> this as well there. i'm gonna qualify this as well by saying like we are not sommeliers like we are not wine experts, We're not wine means. experts no. i'm not a wine expert i'm not even a beer <laughs> expert let's be real um so I'm just going to tell you everything that I managed to Google and research about, about white wines, sparkly wines. But um, in my mind, uh, and I'm not even a big wine drinker, really, myself. So to me, the be- I feel like, again, that's somebody having beer that doesn't like beer that takes a sip of like, uh, I don't know, a lager or something. It goes, oh, that smells like beer. But I mean, obviously, there's so many different ways beer can smell. To me, I'm like, this smells very white wine. But there's a, like, you're right, there's a lot of different ways white wine can smell. This is a, uh, this is Long Beach, a Western Cape South African beer. Uh, uh, I don't know how to say this. I think it's Chenin Blanc is the grape. Chenin. Chenin, Chenin yeah. Blanc is, is the grape. Yeah. Uh, so that is, that's, that's what I've got here. Uh, so some white wine tasting notes. Um basically what i've tried to do is i tried to sort of compile the most common white grapes used in white wine uh, because literally going through wine in general it is so difficult and complex like as a person that doesn't know a lot about it which is i guess how people can feel about beer going in it's like as you said joe there's so many different ways for wine to smell and taste and everything else and that's due so much to the different grapes use and there's so much different grape variety but if i just sat here and went like overall this is what white wine is like you can't just do that um so i've just picked the top grapes really that get used and and what i found across multiple different um pieces of literature online uh reputable websites um like wine associations and that it all tended to have a theme that for a majority, the top grapes were Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Riesling and Pinot Gris slash Pinot Grigio. So kind of a fun fact about that is Pinot Gris and the Pinot Grigio. Uh, technically, they are the same. Uh, they're made. Those type of wines are made from the same grape. And so like that can be used interchangeably. So in practice, they refer to two different flavor profiles, though. So Pinot Grigio is Italian and Pinot Grigio is French. And they have their individual terroirs and winemaking styles do influence the final product. So like they, they do get used interchangeably. They are different, but it's that thing of like, through one article I found that they were being used interchangeably as well and I was like well now I'm massively confused (laughs) and this is the thing that has to be like it's it is quite complex um that I feel like that's just the the starting the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the complexities of wine so like stout and porter yeah people go they're basically the same thing are they they though I feel like that is probably like a really a a really good way to explain it as well because it's like you probably get you do get like similar tasting notes between them and all that i mean with this it's like it's the same grape they're kind of used the same way to make it but the overall flavors based on where they're grown and and the actual styles of that region are what sort of changes it up so yeah that was um it's an interesting one for sure pinot grigio 
I guess you could say slash pedigree because so the kid does get used interchangeably. It's apparently the most feared variety for sommeliers and blind tasting because um, the experts tend to identify it based on the characteristics it doesn't have. Okay. Um, white wine as a whole tend to have like such a more drastic range of flavor profiles and aromas than red wines do. Um, a lot of the taste and flavors can be picked up in the aroma. Like it's it's one of those things that it's like, they list out all these tastes. Um, they list out all the things that it could be, but that's like aromas and flavors. Whereas okay. I think sometimes like when you're, what's kind of different from beer and not all the time, but sometimes it can be like, here is what you should be smelling and here's what you should be tasting. And a lot of what I found like with white wine, it's, it will just be like, it's this, which you can get in the aroma and the taste and sort of that whole thing. So there's just such a big spectrum of stuff that it compared to red wine anyways, that, yeah, it was a lot to unpack. So, so yeah, as I said, a lot of the tastes and flavors can be picked up in the aromas as well. But so basically the themes that run between the top varieties um, and the ones that tend to be sort of a, a bit more interesting um, can include chalkiness, wet concrete, petrol slash diesel fuel, petroleum wax, rubber, honey, almond, baking spice and baking spices like clove and ginger. So that's sort of like how drastic it can change you could go from like petrol diesel to like baking spices <laughs> which is um yeah it, it's it's quite weird with that I think um but yeah uh with the taste it was just kind of interesting sort of like going through all the tastes of the white wines and, and everything else so there's what you don't really find with the red wines that you find with the white wines um, at least from what I found when I was researching, was that you have primary and secondary flavors. Okay. Um, so the primary flavors are what come directly from the grape. And then that in turn can be, that can change based on the climate or the terroir. I, I don't know. Did I say, did I pronounce that right? Because I know you know how to you pronounce did. it. Terroir. <laughs> You're good at those pronunciations. I am atrocious at them. Um, so yeah, the, the primary flavors sort of come from the grain that comes directly from the climate terroir. Uh, the secondary flavors are the ones that come from the winemaking process itself. Okay. Um, so as part of this, there were different tasting notes depending on if they were oaked or unoaked, which I thought was actually quite interesting. So like you'd read something, you'll be like, oh, if this style of grape was oaked, you get XYZ flavor, if it's unoaked, then it would be like this. And that was something I didn't necessarily find with red wine. But I guess if we were talking about it in beer senses, like, yeah, it would make sense. Like if you yeah. barrel age something in a particular yeah. barrel, you will obviously get those flavors. Um, so when oaked, it seemed like a wide, like quite widely, you know, obviously this will vary depending, but you tend to result in more of a sweet baked good type profile and then that can include vanilla uh pie crust and baked tart caramelized sugar toast creme brulee and spices as well as cream coconut and butter um and weirdly with a sauvignon blanc you can get dill oh, okay. <laughs> or something uh something like a riesling you can end up with petrol or lanolin okay. which i thought was weird but yeah, the petrol, the lanolin, and the dill are, are weird, but the others are not. Yes, the others, the, the other like, ones seem much more normal. Vanilla comes from vanillin that's coming from the wood. 
And if it's like, if there's any sort of toast or charring, toasting or charring to the wood, that's where you're going to get like the caramelization. You're going to get that pie crust and the baked tart and the sugar and the toast and the creme brulee. All of that is going to come from that. Like spices can come from that. Like the cream and coconut is, that will be how long it it is in the barrel for because the longer it's in there, you can get coconut from oak as well. Like we get that in beer. It's exactly the same. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's what I thought was really interesting because through all my research, um, compared, like you'll hear more about red wine next week, but it, it felt more like I could draw parallels yeah. with white wine a lot easier to beer than potentially I could with the red wine yeah. in that sense. Because yeah, it was it was just really interesting because I felt like you could just fall down a rabbit hole of like learning about it. And I was like, I was so overwhelmed. So I, I basically, I've tried to sort of, pull together a mass amount of the flavor profiles of it without being too overwhelming because yeah there was like I said before there was quite a lot to unpack so without naming sort of a massive variety of the flavors that you can get basically what I'll say is you can get a range of fruits uh, which can be tropical fruits as well as citrus fruits stone fruits orchard fruits gooseberries melons you can even get bananas in there which is interesting white peach tends to be probably the most commonly called out fruit in white wine which okay. makes sense compared to the white wines that I drink like I like the sweeter fruitier ones yeah and, and they tend to have a lot of from from my experience anyways which I mean isn't a lot because I don't drink it that much but um when I do I do tend to get a fair amount of peach in in what I do drink so um there was floral um flavors that you that were mentioned quite a lot uh herbaceous notes such as um the spring flowers specifically certain things like um blossoms honeysuckles celery leaf which I thought was interesting mm. because I would never have been like describing something going oh that's very celery leaf so that was that was interesting um jasmine's mentioned quite a bit uh there's herbal notes tea leaves um you can get honey you can get beeswax <laughs> you can get some more natural things like mineral notes uh, various grassy notes limestone wet flint rocks and saline solution those were again some really like obvious things that you'd expect and then some really things that you're like I could never imagine describing something tasting like that um but then yeah there's there's also you can also expect things like thyme bell pepper jalapeno sometimes you can get nutty notes like almond or white hazelnut almond, yeah yeah almond yeah I suppose yeah yeah, yeah it's um I think that kind of illustrates just how wide the yeah. spectrum of taste can be in white wine um probably further than I had even realized myself yeah so um yeah I mean to be honest when we go back to I mentioned quickly about the buttery flavor and so basically to go back to the butter taste basically you get this as part of the winemaking process so it's um I know how like in beer we kind of consider that to be an off flavor but in the winemaking in in wine as as far as I could tell in my research that's not considered an off flavor that's something that you get through the winemaking process um so yeah what what I've what I've noted down I've put my scientist's uh, brain on and one thing that I've pulled from one of the articles is basically it's a byproduct byproduct 
of <laughs> this is such a mouthful to say and I'm absolutely going to butcher this the malolactic fermentation process where the grapes contain malic acid and a good bacteria um, will so basically a good bacteria will convert that lactic acid either naturally or by winemaking um so yeah it's encouraged by winemakers because it reduces the perception of sharp acidity and adds more rounded creamier and buttery notes oh that's interesting. so that's it's not not encouraged in beer. yeah it's not considered <laughs> bad it's considered like something that they actually actively encourage so i thought that would be interesting to you obviously because uh knowing yeah from like how you know about it being an off thing that people don't want that's interesting in, that in white wine it's good that's interesting because in beer it is an off flavor um and so diastole is described as buttered popcorn and sometimes butterscotch flavors um it's it is produced as part of the fermentation process but the yeast then kind of goes back and cleans it up and changes it into a flavorless compound um if the beer is allowed long enough to ferment so if a beer is like rush through too quickly or um, you get what's called a highly flocculating yeast strain so it very quickly does its job um it might not have have enough time to clean up that off flavor it is allowed in low levels in british bitters and czech pilsners like it is almost expected in those as part of the flavor profile but um generally if you get a lot of like butteriness off of a beer it's not been done right so that's interesting that it's acceptable in wine yeah and and i guess it's because like i said i mean it it sounds like it's encouraged because of the sharpness that you can get this the sharp acidity that you can get so this it sort of smooths it out a bit i guess um it just makes it yeah it just makes it more i guess just the more well-rounded flavor than just getting sharp acidity so yeah I mean I thought I thought that would be of interest just because people listening to this will probably know the word diacetyl and associate it with something negative but in terms of wine not negative um when it comes to the color of white wine that can vary itself as well so it can go from very very pale to a deep yellow um this is sort of like it's not the palest I've ever seen and I wouldn't say it's deep yellow uh, on the camera I think it looks a bit more yellow than it is um, mm. if you're looking at the video but I I think it's probably like a step up from quite pale um it is a paler shady yellow but you can get it quite like bright yellow as well which is yeah I mean there's a I feel like with red wine you can get some variety, but it tends to be like the shade of red wine is more or less like that burgundy yeah. <laughs> colour, give or take. Um, what I did think was really, really interesting, though, was when I was looking at photos of the grapes, I sort of had this ex- expectation in my head that from from knowing nothing about wine, um, that all the grapes were going to be like white grapes or like the lighter colored grapes uh but that isn't true because the color of the grapes can vary you can have ones that are reddish color so I looked at a bunch like not just like numerous varieties but like an actual bunch of grapes and there was for, for Riesling grapes and some of them like dotted in there they had like little red dots sort of in the bunch and I just thought that was quite interesting it was really beautiful to look at but 
it wasn't just straight like one color or another color it was a mix and some of those colors were more reddish colors so yeah um that was pretty cool um if you i encourage you to google some photos of it because it just looked really interesting to see uh the acidity tends to lean on the medium to high levels when it comes to the white wines again from what i've seen anyone that's an actual expert can probably come and correct me if i'm wrong but that's just what i found um and that it did seem to be a lot drier and more crisp depending on the variety obviously but um pretty much it's very versatile (laughs) it is white wine is super versatile and yeah it's the range is so vast that you can't just sort of pin it down and go like this is white wine like even just going like here's a really great example of a white wine where you'd have to then be like this is a great example of a white wine from this region using this type of grape so it was uh you know take that take that as you will with food pairings really pretty much it's all over the place again because it's all about like which type of white wine you know if if you're going something sweeter like a Riesling for example they did suggest that with a Riesling in particular it's traditionally the sweeter end and uh, of the spectrum to balance out the acidity Uh, so that would pair quite well for spicy food so they kind of said as a guidance you know sweetness and acidity is great for spicy food so especially asian spicy food so they were saying like riesling was a really good thing to pair with spicy asian food okay uh but again you could find ones that were great for chicken or for beef or for vegetables or seafood and yeah too much variety although can you say too much no if you like white wine probably not probably not (laughs) i would never say there's too much variety in beer no never um and then yeah i mean going on from that because we're going to have a few that are more sparkling wine-ish tonight as well a few beers that are more like sparkling wine so just sort of high level of sparkling wine kind of not much to say because i think it is pretty much what you'd expect in that uh, it's an effervescent wine there's very high levels of co2 that cause fizziness uh so what i did note from put my scientist hat on again it says the co2 is absorbed from it fermenting under pressure so if you have more of a sparkling wine it involves a secondary fermentation as well so again you can get some beers that have second fermentations and and all that uh so the three biggest grape varieties to use for sparkling wine um they are the chardonnay pinot noir and noir meunier i'm gonna guess is how you pronounce that uh grape varieties um i think to be fair the most commonly known i don't even want to call it like a style because it's not really like a style but the more commonly referred to sparkling wine is champagne but champagne in order for it to be a champagne it has to come from the champagne region of france so literally it cannot be called a champagne if it does not come from that area and i think um i don't know if you've observed this but i observe a lot of people being like i love champagne i love champagne but actually that's they're not drinking champagne no (laughs) the price doesn't necessarily dictate like if you've got a more expensive bottle that doesn't make it automatically champagne and it doesn't automatically make it the best tasting or the worst tasting or whatever so you have um champagne which is the the french sparkling wine you have um, Carva, which I believe is at least 95% made in Spain. And then you have Prosecco, which comes from Italy. 
So uh, what you'll also see, and I think sometimes this can confuse people as well, because you'll see root on the sparkling wine bottles. And I think some people like can tend to confuse like Prosecco and like, oh, a, a, they'll be like, oh, a brut champagne. And they'll think like that's one sort of style, but it's like the region is more or less the region's kind of dictated in a way by is it a Prosecco, is it a Carver, is it a champagne? But the actual like word brut is to describe how sweet it can be really um so yeah it, the commonly so so brute is the french word for dry or raw or unrefined or so they tell me i don't speak french i failed french so i'm just going on what i'm told there so as, as your guess um if it's brute it's uh probably not going to be the sweetest one that you're going to get so um when checking the wine labels, so I do have like sort of a guidance when you are checking the wine labels for sparkling wines, you can kind of see these terms on it. There's like brute nature or brute zero. That's the driest of the dry. So uh, the brute's high acidity is quite intense, this this style of it. Um, then you have extra brute, which is just another term for extra dry. So not quite as dry as the brute nature, but still fairly high acidity and then you've just got like regular brute um that's anywhere between so with this i've noted down it's anywhere between zero to 12 grams of sugar per liter brute is less dry uh but slightly so brute is dry but it's slightly less mouth-watering than brute nature or extra brute so i have to read all this because it's <laughs> so confusing yeah. it is very specific and it's quite confusing because things are like it's, it's quite similar but then you'll be like oh there's this one thing that's different so hopefully I've covered sort of I'm covering it okay there might be some other things here but then you have extra sec which is a dry sparkling wine with hints of fruity sweetness you have a sec which is a brute with more residual sugar yet still balanced by acidity then you have a demi sec which is a lovely and sweet brute with intense fruit flavors such as apricot and lychee and then you have what I can only guess is called a do, which is D-O-U-X. And that's as sweet as you can get, basically. So it's a sparkling wine that has more sugar than a can of Coke, apparently. Mm. <laughs> I thought that sweet. was quite an interesting yeah. fact, more sugar than a can of Coke. Yeah. Whether or not that was just like one or two websites <laughs> choosing to put that out there and it's not actually correct, I don't yeah. know, but it made me laugh and I was like, that's going in so yeah that kind of covers the spectrum of like when you talk about sweet and dry um that's what you're gonna see on the labels and yeah the most common flavors of a sparkling wine are citrus apple vanilla toast nuttiness again um and with proseccos in particular they tend to be more light and fruity so more vintage ones may also be creamier and toastier so that's something to keep in mind um but obviously there's more range of flavors as you can then have like sparkling rosés you can have so many different things again the you know if you are using a different type of grape then some of the more commonly used ones that can change it as well um but yeah so it's uh it's it's quite in like i said it's quite interesting in a minefield when you start digging down into it so yeah it's it's also worth noting that kind of like beer you also get dessert wines and a majority of those tend to be white wines as well. 
So um, yeah, they tend to be the really, really sweet ones that you'd have like after dinner as a dessert. So <laughs> I guess kind of, would, would that be an aperitif? Is that how you describe an aperitif? But I don't think you'd really, I don't think a dessert wine would be described as an aperitif because it's not as a... I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, you, you get dessert wines like you get dessert beers. So first beer, Castle's Brut IPA. So... Because we've been talking about fruit. Yes. I mean, I'll hazard a guess. This, do we think it's going to be dry? I don't, I don't know. Could be. According to my research. I was going to say, do you want to tell us about a Brut IPA? Well, so interestingly, I always thought that a Brut IPA used champagne yeast, but it does not. Oh, it smells nice. It smells very fruity. It smells peachy to me. It's quite yellow. Yeah, I, I get a nice head on mine as well. Yeah, I was expecting it to be slightly lighter, but I'll talk about why that is in a minute. Um, so this one, ah, see, well, so this is from Castles, who are in New Zealand, and it's been hopped with YET and Nectaron. So that's why you're getting that lovely, that lovely Did smell. You? Yeah. They get nice, good tropical fruit smells from New it Zealand is- hops. It's lovely. Oh, like really it just fruity. smells really, really lovely and really fruity. Yeah, it's lovely and clear. It it is quite dry towards it's the back end. Dry. That is, yeah, fairly dry. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty dry. Which is interesting because I feel like it's not interesting in the sense of like obviously you know what that is, but like when you kind of run through the the scale of uh, like what I'll call like the brute scale <laughs> of like where yeah. everything sits, like. Yeah, pretty dry. That 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 tallies up quite well with uh, what I'd expect reading that label. So yeah, like the smell of those beautiful fruits doesn't really come through in the flavour. No. It's just very dry. I mean, it's it's quite drinkable. So I do get of that dryness. I do get a bit of fruit on it. Yeah, but it's not very strong. I feel like the yeah. dryness, like to like does overpower the fruitiness and when I say yeah. overpower I don't sort of mean in a negative way but it does it's sort of the smell if you were to smell it and not know what it was you wouldn't guess that that's what it was going to taste like yeah I yeah I think so but I do think it lands quite similarly to what I'd expect when I'm having like a glass of yeah definitely sparkling wine so yeah definitely um so shall I tell you a little bit about Brut IPA Please do, because I'm done talking. Um, so, Brut IPA is not made with champagne yeast, like I thought. I don't know if you thought it was made with champagne yeast. I think I wasn't sure if it was just overall, like I didn't know if it champagne was champagne yeast, yeast or yeah. if it was like something else that was a bit, yeah. Yeah, so because brewers do use champagne yeast, and we'll talk about that in a moment with our next beer. But, um, so Brut IPA is not made with champagne yeast instead it is made with a specific enzyme so there is this enzyme called amyloglucoside um and it's actually used when people are brewing like really big um imperial stouts or if they're making a triple ipa and it breaks down complex sugars so that they can be fermented because when they're complex, the, sh- the yeast might not have enough energy to um, 
to eat those sugars and to ferment them. So um, by breaking it down into simple sugars, the um, yeast can eat it and ferment it. So if you've got like a massive imperial stout, you've put a lot of like either lots of malt in there, you've put lots of maybe adjuncts in there, more sugar to really bump up that ABV, you want the, the yeast to eat all those sugars to create that ABV. Now, a brewer, I've, I've read a couple of articles and there's one in particular that was from 2018 and there was a brewer called Kim Sturdevant from Social Kitchen and Brewery in San Francisco and he had been using this enzyme to help out making triple IPAs but he was thinking one day he was like you know I've been using it for a while and he wondered what would happen if he did it on a traditional IPA recipe and if it would make that IPA recipe like bone dry so he tried it (laughs) um and he literally used just a regular ipa recipe and i've looked into it like the types of yeast that brewers use for it um it's literally any type of yeast some will use one that kind of gives really a neutral flavor like doesn't add like because you know an ipa is an ale it will use regularly use an ale yeast um ale yeast can add more fruitiness, spiciness, depending on the strain. Uh, but some add more neutral or don't, or, or more ferment more neutral and don't add anything. So they generally use kind of a more neutral strain because this, what he then referred to as a brute IPA because it came out incredibly dry. Um, so he stole that term from wine. Um, that they wanted to use it to showcase um, the hop aroma so hops would be added right at the end of the boil none would be used for bitterness so there shouldn't really be any hot bitterness in it it's all going to be about the aroma and possibly the flavor um and in fact they did it they they ended up coming up with a recipe where the color had to be really they wanted the color to be really pale as well so one of the like this guy's recipe once he developed it ended up being 20% rice 20% corn and the rest pilsner malt which you know when you think about that kind of makeup that's the kind of the makeup for like an american lager or an american light lager so that you know and adding those kind of adjuncts in in craft beer is a bit of a no-no <laughs> like people get upset about that so it was a really interesting thing um but it was because it was so dry it was really drinkable Uh, And people at the time loved it. But then um, this brewer also said that for him, this style was defined as something that's really dry. And he didn't think that the ABV should be over 7.5%. Now, the one we're drinking today from Castles is dead on on (laughs) 7.5%. Like he thinks it needs to be as pale as possible and really below 7%. And there was um, another article that I read that was from Brews News and they actually talked to this brewer later on because the Brew IPA kind of appeared and it was there for a little bit and then it died and everybody hated it. <laughs> so, I, I would I would agree I really with that. It. I, I love Brew IPA, but yeah. I feel like you never see them anymore. No, you never see it because they and died really quickly. I feel like it's an ongoing joke right. like in the last few years. Like anytime what, you yeah, do see one, people are like... Says. 
aren't they dead? <laughs> yeah, like people are like that. Oh, that's it was terrible. So this guy thinks that it didn't really that like it was made, and people didn't really get chance to really it to take hold of people because people made it really badly. <laughs> so you know they didn't make sure of all of these things to make sure they had a really good version, and so people had bad versions and then went, no, this is a joke of a beer. I'm not drinking anymore. The mothership one was was really good. I've had some really good ones, and I'm always really sad when people like, oh, brute IPA, because I've had really good. good. (laughs) But like, I think, I think as well in our, in the current climate where people are really all about the juicy hazy beers, like this is it is bone dry. You're not getting that fruity juiciness. If that's what you're after. This is not the beer for you. Yeah. And that as that's what's popular at the moment, I'm not surprised that it hasn't taken or or stouts that are like Super heavily adjunct. Yeah. yeah. And and I mean I say that as a person that like Yeah, and I love a I love sweet <laughs> I love a sweet beer, I love a sweet wine. This was this was not though this did not take hold. Um although I did find as well that some people kind of embraced the champagne brute aspect of it. And also made versions where they added like some citrus to it, or they put like blood orange juice in it to oh. emulate a mimosa. Okay, I like that. So that was an interesting thing that could be done with this beer style as well. But um, but yeah, unfortunately, it pretty much has died a death. But it is not made with champagne yeast. It is made with a special um, enzyme. Interesting. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I think to be quite honest, I think it matches up this one does match up with pretty much what i expect from like if i were getting if i was trying to find something for someone i know that likes a sparkling wine this pretty much does match up with what like the fact that it's labeled brute ipa yeah is dry and it is pretty close to similar taste that i'm used to getting from sparkling wine so yeah i think i think you could happily give this to somebody who likes wine and white wine and they would be like oh yeah this has got flavors that i recognize in it the more you have it as well i think the more think it's the fruitiness coming through the, the fruit yeah the, i was gonna yeah. say the fruitiness gonna say does come that. through i don't know if it's that like your palate kind of adjusts to the dryness and starts going okay you know how we talk about um we've talked before about like what's like screaming at you and what's yeah sort of like that I think obviously the dryness is what's screaming at you. And then once you're like, okay, we get it. You're dry. You're dry. You're dry. We get it. <laughs> it's <laughs> isolate that bit. That's great. Uh, we, we get it. There's dryness there. Um, then your taste buds quite like search around like, okay, but what else is there? Yeah. And I'm starting to get the fruitiness through now that I've yeah. had probably I had some of the stuff top to back up again, but um, it's really nice. It's quite, um, I no, I'm gonna put that out there. Good. I'm gonna put it out there. I like brew IPAs. I've always, I always said that have I've liked done. Them. I always I've, have done. I've always said that I've liked them. I've never been that person that's been like, no, I don't like no, them. No, never been. Oh, I was no. always like, where did they go? They uh, yeah. I when that mothership left the mothership Tesco, one was so I was good. like, but where am I gonna get my right. brew IPA from now? <laughs> Yeah. I used to get it and I'd feel very luxurious drinking Which it. Which is literally why I found, I saw this one in my local bottle shop in Docker and 
I was like, I need to grab this for Tori and I because I know that you love a brute IPA. I do. And I like a brute IPA. And I was like, I think we need this in our lives because you don't see them like ever anymore. It's a sad no. time. But this does, I think this, like for me, this does get the seal of approval of like, tick, is this good for a yes. sparkling wine slash wine appreciation person? Yeah, for me, that's a big tick. Yeah, definitely. There we go. We agree on that one for sure. On champagne, champagne yeah. yeast. This is the. <laughs> so we've talked about. Oh yeah, we've got Big we've awesome. got the bad boy. We've got. The... I've also still got an Incasi rosé. So have I. I've got mine here actually. I don't have mine. Got right the rosé one here. Um, <laughs> I've got to the share video. this. I've got to share this at a bottle share group that I go to um, because we had Ninkazi the other night, and I was oh. just like. Oh, and there's a rosé one. They were like, what? And I was like, I'll bring it to the next chair. <laughs> Weirdly, I think you can get them at you can get them in Sainsbury's. <laughs> you can definitely get, you've been able to get Ninkazi in Waitrose for Waitrose. ages. That's where I always get mine from. For, for like a good uh, price. It's yeah. not even, it's not even a price gouging situation. Nine it's, pound? I yeah, say. I think it's pretty on par with what you'd Seven get or nine pound, from Wild Beer Co. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, so that's, you know, that's readily available. And yeah, I think, I think I have heard that the um, Rosé one is available in Sainsbury's now. Sainsbury's. But... I've seen it in Sainsbury's and yeah. I was like, hello. <laughs> I thought it was like it was originally when I got my bottle it was like oh we're doing this like limited release of them and I was like I'll get one of each yeah that'll be cool and I sort of held on to it I've held on to that bottle because I've been waiting to save it yeah. to sort of but they are it is it. a sharing size you do not get these in mini sizes because it is meant to be a celebration beer like it is meant to be your champagne replacement yeah so it's just for anyone that's listening it is 750 ml yeah. bottle if you, if you're but there's a lovely wax and they're lovely top. waxed yeah yeah it does look fancy it does look like a celebration yeah, they, bottle it, it's, so. it's the real deal <laughs> tonight People. we're celebrating us we're, yeah why not we're why gonna not? treat ourselves <laughs> treat yourself we open right. it now I'm scared because I'm scared it's I'm not gonna be able to open it right. Right, now. I've shown you how to do it. Properly, I know I've got to do the smiley face. Right, so you gotta do the smiley face. I've already done my smiley face. For anyone that's watching, you get a blunt I'm butter knife that. and you cut <laughs> a straight line of that. And if you've got like you, you cut a straight line underneath the cap and then you want to do a smiley face with it, so you're cutting a notch of wax out. That means that you can get your bottle opener underneath the crown cap now i like to use one of these bottle openers that's got a nice long handle on it because then you've got a bit of leverage under it um you sometimes might need to cut a notch in the wax on top as well but today this has played quite nicely mine is open beautifully i don't think mine's gonna yours are playing and oh i did it see i did mine (laughs) with the old classic bottle opener yeah because that's got like so it's the yeah the wine the wine bottle opener looks like a person i've got my yeah so we've got our wild beer co champagne flutes that tori very kindly bought me i did i splurged i treated ourselves you did i went to the wild beer co i want to add a bad not to the actual like brewery but i went to in bristol yeah wharf and wharf it's like great location i didn't yeah it's the bougie part of bristol i loved it i was like i've got the tacos (laughs) across the road there's an amazing like bakery where you can get an amazing breakfast and then at the end of it like closer to the actual uh water bit you've got 
uh, World Beer Co. And the way Amazing. that the tap room like is decorated is really, really cool. It's a place that you could like properly sit and just chill for a bit. And I was like, can I buy the champagne flutes, please? And they were like, yes, you can. And I was like, yes. Because <laughs> we've been talking about getting them for ages, haven't we? Yeah, I was going to order the yeah. gift set. And then I was like, yeah. I can't justify the gift set. I can't do it. And uh, And then, yeah it smells lovely the, so basically the bottle in the front it is a saison and it says it's yep. bubbles apples and wild yeast so it's uh yeah nine percent abv 750 ml bottle so like joe said definitely party celebration and it smells beautiful yeah so it's made with the juice of cider apples um that i believe they get from yeah somerset it says on the bottle um, they brew it first, so it's first fermented with a Belgian style of yeast, uh, with their and their wild cultured yeast that they have because you know they've got all the barrels and the fun stuff at Wild Beer Co. So do a primary fermentation with that, and then they have a secondary fermentation with the champagne yeast um, that makes it effervescent. You go secondary fermentation. Yeah. Mm. It's just it had that spicy smell pepperiness that you'd expect yeah. from a saison um it's quite it is still relatively dry but you get a bit of that crisp appleness with it i would say less dry it's less dry than, dry than the, the yeah um but there is still like if you are a person that likes the like likes a white wine yeah. or likes like a sparkling wine that's maybe on the lower like or still has like a fair amount of dryness in it but isn't like super super dry i think this would probably be good for you um, probably looking at that like list of dryness <laughs> the dry <is> probably <laughs> um at sec or extra sec level i reckon yeah i could see that because i think there is there is some level of sweetness but it's not yeah. particularly high um and a demi sec yeah and, I, and like i wouldn't even say like the fruitiness i think it is more like the app i always hate saying appley because i think like that can sound very wrong and that's apple-y. not yeah like when I say I was apple I know some people like when you say apple and beer people are like no why I've had people be like oh no that's not good oh what well, so so green apple is an off flavor yeah but some, if but you just if, say apple got... people make these oh, okay. a lot of people make that assumption of but like, you can also get apple. green apple from from fermentation from like esters and things this so. is this is like positive apple. and this has got apple juice in it so yeah and sometimes you get red apple which is different see I, yeah that's the thing it's like i love apple flavors yeah. as well so it's like but it just because of the amount of times that you've heard people be like no apple bad in my head when i say apple i'm like i want to just make yeah, sure i'm clarifying also, not bad apple we're also still some people still think that a hazy beer is should be sent back so that is true that is very true but yeah i i would agree with your um your dry slash sweet like level rating it is probably around that set mark yes um uh, but i do so far we'll see how it simmers as you tell us about champagne yeast but i think so far i would definitely say again something i would share with someone that i think does like drier yeah although what i will say is there's less carbonation in this yeah it's not what you get yeah i feel like the dry level of the brute ipa sort of made up for that lack of carbonation so felt more like a sparkling wine yeah 
this doesn't have as much carbonation as just the dry love. So it's kind of, for me, more like a, a dry white wine, I think. Yeah. Um, so sh- brewers will use champagne yeast just like wine makers do. Um, one of the things that's really good about champagne yeast is that it handles alcohol well. So most ale and lager yeast strains can top out at like 10 to 12 percent abv whereas a champagne yeast can get all the way up to 15 percent abv because you know our wines are higher in abv um it's also works with microorganisms to clean up cloying sweetness so breweries like goose island have used it in beer cloud water have used it in beer while beer co use it in beer um they like to use it because it dries out the beer like um our brute ipa but that was an enzyme um because where it's really good at handling handling that uh fermentation it and it can get up to those high abvs by getting up to that it's eating more sugar so therefore it is drying out the beer if you weren't sure what that what that meant as with this beer brewers will often use champagne yeast with something else um a good example and a really good bit and actually it came up on my time hop today um from when i had it as like weird coincidence goose island use it in their jillian which is a farmhouse ale I believe it's got strawberry in it seriously i know goose island are owned by ab and bev <laughs> but their sour sister range is absolutely beautiful i don't think i've got the jillian i think i've got matilda oh matilda yeah matilda sophie madame rose jillian i had sophie already and matilda i still have Mm. so good because i had them in tesco's yeah i picked them up and they haven't got them anymore but i picked them up but they were the ones that had been aged already or something like that yeah. and they were like oh we found this we've got this stock yeah but, and, and so i was these, like i will buy it <laughs> yeah these the sour sisters range is great fresh because they they do make them we don't get them as much over here you might get them in a goose island brew pub um but they do age really well because they often use champagne yeast and belgian yeast and Brettanomyces in them so the flavors change over time um the jillian that i had i had it three years ago and it was from 2017 and it aged beautifully for those two years it made the strawberry really really creamy and beautiful love it so champagne yeast in beer delicious is so up my alley love it um it can also be used singularly in a beer style called beer brute or beer de champagne um which a lot of belgian breweries will do and this uses, and we didn't talk about this, the champagne production techniques of multiple fermentations. So we did talk about the yeah, primary multiple. and secondary fermentations, but also the rumiage and degorgement process of yeast removal. We did not talk so, about that. <laughs> this is where, so I, had to, I wanted to look that up and get like the proper, proper definition of how that works in champagne. Um, so I found it on the wine encyclopedia <laughs> online. There's lots of things you can find on there. So champagne is initially fermented in stainless steel vats um, and then it's blended. Um, if it's a particularly good year, it will be blended with other champagnes of that year, but sometimes it's multiple years depending on how they came out. Um, 
once it's blended, a mixture of wine, sugar and yeast is added to the wine. So they put a little bit of old wine in it. Um, and then it's transferred either to pressure tanks or to strong dark bottles for secondary fermentation. That creates the carbon dioxide and the fizz and sparkling that we expect from champagne. Um, this secondary fermentation is completed after a few weeks or months. <laughs> Much like barrel aging and blending beer. It can take months, years. Um, the wine is fermented in tanks and then transferred to another tank <laughs> and it's chilled and sweetened and bottled. However, if it's in bottles, it can be left to mature. And during this period, the bottles are shaken daily and gradually turned and tipped until they are upside down. Now, since the 1970s, this um, process has been mechanised and this is called riddling or, or I've got to get the pronunciation right, rumiage which is a French word for riddling. Um, and so, so basically like, it's riddling or riddling. Yeah, or, or riddling in, in, French. French, in French. But they, so they gradually turn it, turn it, shake it, turn it and turn it upside down. And I've, while they're I've doing this, this, I've watched oh, have you seen a video of it? Done. I don't remember, this is so weird, but no, I've, I've, I've heard when I went to a vineyard, they talked about yeah. it. But I've seen a video and I don't remember where and I don't remember when, but I feel like it had something to do with being beer yeah. related and I don't remember how. But they were talking about, I want to say, was it a Lambic brewery or something that would rotate the bottles? Or maybe it was maybe it was a champagne region mm-hmm. thing where they were turning the bottles every day by hand. And they did talk about there was machines that would... It would just sit on a thing yeah. and it would just do that every day. So, so interesting. It's doing that because then it's getting um, deposits of yeast and sediment. They're bringing it to the neck of the bottle. Um, so once it's finished, you then have the process of degorgement, which is when the cork is carefully pried off and that releases some of the pressure and the sediment shoots out of the bottle and cleans it all out. And then it's, um, then it's, re, uh, it's re-corked. But when they do this, often they freeze the champagne. So the champagne doesn't go anywhere, but they get all the sediment out. Um, That's so interesting. Then, yeah. And then the champagne is, at that point, either champagne is added... If, it's, if nothing's added to it at that point, that's where you get your brute champagne, where it is extra dry. And at that point, they can also add a bit more, or they can add some sugar to it to add that sweetness as well. Um, but that process of the rumiage and degorgement is used in the beer style, beer brute or beer de champagne, um, which is a Belgian beer style. And probably the most widely available is Bastille's Dus Brut de Flanders. I think I've seen it and I haven't bought one and now I'm going to because I haven't tried one and I want to. Was that like you'd seen it and you're like, oh, don't know about that. Because it and looks you like a champagne. Like, yes. Yeah, because it looks like a champagne bottle. And I was like, is that beer? Like it's in a bottle that looks it like is, a champagne bottle. It is interesting when you get these styles, like sometimes you get, you know, 
lambics that look like a certain way in a bottle or like I don't know like you said like a, a like a Belgian beer that's got I don't know like you said champagne you said yeah. whatever and and the way that it's bottled is a certain way and you're like can't tell like yeah. it's one of those things like can't tell if like but the really good <laughs> we've talked about labeling on beers like I think the shape of bottles is also like we visually go well that's a wine bottle that's a this bottle you know that's a champagne bottle like I really like these might be giving a spoiler away what we might drink later but these kind of shaped bottles seem to be coming out a lot at the minute where they're wide at the bottom um and then they go really skinny up the neck those are coming about at the moment and they look quite fancy but you could have wine I feel like you could have wine or champagne in one of those I've I've seen Rieslings and similar bottles to that as well um the thing is though is like I'm not when I see something that looks like a wine bottle, like I'm not, that's a bit, I'm not turned off from it. My thing is more, because I go, oh, that might be like a really nice fancy one. Yeah. My thing is more, I sit and I go, oh, I don't know if this is going to be one that is going to be amazing or if it's going to be too, I'm trying to figure out the way to say this in a, in a way that makes sense. Because I want to say like too traditional, but that's not what I mean like trying to math out what I mean but like (laughs) it's really difficult to know if it's going to be one when you see the wine bottle you go is it one that I'm going to really really like and it's going to be really unique and really special yeah or is it going to just is it just throwing me off because I'm like oh it's a wine like it's in a style that looks really fancy and really lull you into a full sense of thinking that it should be extra special and then maybe it's not yeah I think maybe that's it is it it's that um it's that feeling of like you're like oh is this going to be one that I'm going to want to like age and then all of a sudden it's going to be this really great experience or it's a celebratory one because it's a bigger bottle and I should share it with people or like I think you're right in the sense of if it's a bottle that looks like this or looks like a wine bottle, if you're not watching the video, I'm holding the Ninkazi bottle up, but yeah. something that looks a bit more wine-like, champagne-like, fancier bottle more than just your standard beer bottle. I think maybe in my head, I'm like, oh, it's going to be, this is going to be an experience. Like this is something that you have to really like sit and sip on and enjoy. Yeah. But I've had some that were like that, that, that came in those bottles that weren't, that experience they've yeah. just been a bit bland yeah and I'm always worried now it's a gamble of like is it going to be that high-end experience that I'm thinking yeah. it's going to be or is it going to just be a bit bland and I've just paid like more than maybe I normally would have if I knew what it was going to taste yeah. like if that makes sense don't be lulled into a full sense of security <laughs> or put off because you think you're being lulled into a full sense but then but then also try all the beers yeah but then also I definitely do the thing I mean I am that like we talked about I am that mag like label magpie and I'm like that label looks good I'm gonna go for it or like you said with the bottle that I won't give away what it is but that shape of bottle I'm like oh that looks interesting or unique or different or even the little stubby bottles like what you get with um lager that's right no (laughs) no yes red stripe but um um braybrook yeah so it's like the 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 bottles that you get with braybrook that are like the stubby little ones like those ones i'm like oh those are cute like i love those and i want to buy them because they look cute and it looks like a unique nice experience and i know that they also make bitch in lager but they do 
that's not the point I definitely get lulled in by the look of the bottle if it <laughs> yeah. looks really sexy and unique and different I'm like yes and that goes for <laughs> label as well but yeah. when you have a sexy looking bottle and like a very meh label that's when I get into like a conflict I'm like mm-hmm. there's like an inner battle happening of like how do I feel about this one hilarious while we're still on the subject of champagne um I know, so there are still some breweries that are making brew IPAs, um, are making champagne IPAs. So we had, you may have seen in previous episodes that we have had um, Urbanauts beer blenders and they made a champagne IPA as part of their blender range where they were making cocktails and they had like um, a Tangelo. Which is oh, like I had that one and it was beautiful. Yeah. So it's like, that's like an orange and citrus beer with, I think that was the sour, wasn't it? And then they made a yeah. champagne IPA to mix they with did. it to make a mimosa. Um, they were not allowed, they got told off for calling it champagne because obviously it's not made it's in the champagne region. In the champagne region. So even if you call a beer a champagne, you're not allowed to. <laughs> so don't do it, people, because you'll get into trouble. So now I think they've changed it to... I think they might have changed it to a brute IPA. Well, haha! I already have the label that says champagne IPA. Right, I right. think I you think I've got that one. Says. Maybe I don't, but I think I do. I don't know. Um, but I would, to be honest, I'm I would genuinely like to some because like France is so close to us in the sense of we could just take our car, we can go on like the. I mean, you are super close because like you've got there. all the ferries <laughs> literally <laughs> yes. right now. Well. We've got the ferries when they're allowed to sail. That's when they're allowed this. to sail. <laughs> no one has to know. The ferries are, I'm not even going to say where you are for GDPR reasons, <laughs> but the ferries are located somewhere within a drivable vicinity. They're very to close you. to me, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you could go to France. And I think it'd be really cool to get like rent a camper van or something like that. And just because I feel like a camper van would be the best way to experience the Champagne region because you can't really drink and drive. And if you want to hit like multiple spots, like it could be really cool to rent a camper van and then drive around the Champagne region and go to the different like wineries they have there and sample the goods and bring some home. I think it would just be a really cool trip someday. And also then you could be like, (laughs) then you could be like, actually, how good is Champagne compared to all the other ones like is it we'll take we'll take bottles of uh, ninkazi with us and compare it we'll be like how actually good is this <laughs> oh my god we're gonna get killed by french people uh, um, that's fine <laughs> i'll take we're it get, we're gonna get thrown out of france i said what i said <laughs> <laughs> um with the ninkazi rosé yeah not the ninkazi, with the ninkazi with the ninkazi with the ninkazi um just very quick, because I know that you have an altar to Ninkazi. I do. Do you yes. want to just very, very briefly oh, so why it's called Ninkazi, explain the we name? Didn't, so we didn't touch on that. So it's called Ninkazi. Ninkazi is, if you don't know this, this is a good tidbit of beer uh, knowledge. I think it's pretty good for you know pub quizzes and whatnot. Um, Ninkazi is the Sumerian goddess of beer. And actually it is thought i don't think that they found anything earlier than this but it's thought that um the first written beer recipe is actually um a poem that was called the hymn to ninkazi uh, and because ninkazi was the goddess of beer in that hymn to her they told you how to make beer 
or how they made beer. And it was a bit more like, um, yeah, this is way, way, way pre hops, pre like the, you know, malted barley and all of that. But they used to make like cakes, barley cakes, and they'd dry them out um, and then they would, you know, wet them again. And like these would be put in, like they'd be put in rivers and things to get that's where we get into that kind of sprouting of the malting process. And fruit and herbs and honey would be added to it. And then this magical process of fermentation would happen because, spoiler, there was yeast on the old fruit and things. And that, or it was just left out and the yeast in the air would magically make it, make it into beer. Um, and Ninkazi was the goddess of beer. So I do have an altar in my kitchen to Ninkazi. She's represented by a bottle of Ninkazi. I got to put an empty some, bottle. Um, I got to put some hops on. Yeah. The and when I do, when I brew in my kitchen, I go and give Ninkazi an offering of some hops and some, some grain from what I am brewing uh, for a good brew day. And uh, she also gets a little bit of the wort as well. She's a happy goddess. <laughs> you keep. Her, you I mean, keep I assume she's well a happy support. goddess because I always get get good results in my beers. So I believe she's a happy goddess. I felt like it would have been sort of a miss to not sort of mention that when we have yeah. literally a beer called Ninkazi. Yeah. So yeah, Ninkazi is Ninkazi is our goddess, people. And then you have the Ninkazi Rosé next to you. Obviously, we sort of touched upon that. But for anyone watching the video, that's what it looks like. It's basically the same thing, but it's like not the same thing taste-wise, but it looks the same, except it's a blue bottle with sort of like a pinky marbly effect on it and pink wax instead. Pink wax. Because it's a Um, (laughs) rosé. And it is brewed to celebrate the unique summer of 2021 and this one is supposed to have as well as the apple juice it will have tasty it's got tasty tart gooseberries and a hill a elegant hint of raspberry it's interesting does that one say so this is what i found that one as far as i could see when i looked it up didn't seem to mention saison on it and i couldn't find it and i'm my assumption was it's basically still a saison it's the ninkazi but they've added summer fruits in it instead or all those different fruits that you mentioned the gooseberries and raspberries yeah instead but i couldn't see anywhere that it was like this one no it does not say bubbles apples and wild yeast that one doesn't and i don't even think on the website it mentioned it and it didn't say on untapped either let me look i'm gonna gonna look because if it's the same beer and they've just added different fruits into it then it should still be a saison i wonder if that's because people shy away from saisons i just found that really interesting the fact that it didn't actually like list it as far as i could tell at the time anyways when i originally got mine so on untapped it is down as a farmhouse ale saison in its style i think maybe what it was is i had to go to untapped to find to just double check that it was a saison when i originally got it yeah in the description Um, it doesn't say so but it is um it is marked into the farmhouse ale saison category and it does from the one that i had it does pour looking like a yeah. rosé like it looks like a sparkling rosé excited but as i said i've got to save it you've got to save yours i've got to save it i'm a, I'm a i think to be fair person i like i said i might still have a second bottle so we'll see maybe, maybe i'll we'll share, share it with you as well. Maybe we'll share. what do you write what do you write this one now that we've had a little bit of it um i definitely i think i think wine people will like it i, I think, think wine people like it as well 
I think there's because it's got that pepperiness, um, that might put some wine people off. I was gonna say the exact same thing where I think it has the dryness, yeah, and that sort of like lightness to it, but the spiciness in it I think is yeah. a bit different than what depends. you'd expect. So it will if you are a person that also likes beer and you like wine, then you probably would definitely like this. If you are just a wine drinker, yeah, it could be hit it could be missed i think it's too hard to say because it depends on what kind of white wines they like to drink yeah and for me because i like beer and i like you know prosecco and stuff like that and i like that dryness to me i'm like oh yeah i think someone like i would definitely recommend it to someone but i'm not necessarily considering the fact that they might not like those spicy flavors yes yeah. i love a bit of spice in quite a bit, it's quite so... it can be quite niche to be fair even within yeah. the Beer Even within community. the beer industry, yeah, within the beer community, spiciness in beer can be niche. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a fave of mine. Thank you for educating us on the ways of champagne yeast. You are welcome. So the next one we are going to drink is the Phantom Bruco and Heist Bruco collaboration called Hybrid Moments, and it is a white wine IPA with an ABV of 7.5%. So the reason we picked this one, obviously, is because it said white wine, white wine IPA. IPA. I don't and think I've ever like, seen a white wine IPA before. This, I think, I'm sharing the label here. I really like it's the artwork beautiful. on the label. It's like some type of uh, like owl a, cat with yeah, three it's eyes. like a snowy <laughs> owl with a cat's head with three eyes, three eyes. sitting on a rock. <laughs> and I like it. It's It captures my mood. That's big mood yeah. right there. That's yeah. how I feel. Um, Looking at the ingredients, yeah. it's got white grape juice in it. Tick, white wine. Um, lots of, like, the hops are really interesting. So it's got Huel Melon, Motu Echo, which often gives lemon lime. Citra, which we know gives us all them all the citrus feels, um, and Nelson Sovin. So Nelson Sovin, if you have not heard me talk about it before, um, is that hop is actually a cross with Sauvignon Blanc grapes. So you are getting white wine vibes from that hop. So all the white wine going on in this. Well, Nelson Savon, Sauvignon Blanc, Joanne. Yeah. You have just done a connection because I have some interesting Sauvignon Blanc facts for you. We didn't even plan that. <laughs> we did not, but I actually did write down because... Uh, Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I had some other Sauvignon Blanc barrel aged things and I was like, I'll give you facts. But I actually, I'll be completely honest with you, had not read the back of the label. Oh, hadn't you? No, I didn't because I saw white wine and this is kind of what inspired us to do yeah, the wine episode. Um, and I didn't want to ruin anything by looking at it before we had oh, actually sorry. talked no, about just... it. So no, no, that's really good. What I meant was I didn't want to like look at it before we actually had a conversation. So I came okay. into this episode totally blind. Um, so when I pulled my Sauvignon Blanc facts, it had nothing to do with this one, but I'm so pleased that you mentioned it. So... Sauvignon Blanc is different from other white wines because it tends to have more green and herbaceous flavours, apparently. The white, the white wine that people don't like, isn't it, if they like white wine? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, so do you want to take a guess at what Sauvignon Blanc means? Uh, it'll be something white. Correct. Correct. It means, <laughs> Obviously. It means wild white. Oh, um, does it? It means That's wild exciting. white. According to the Google facts that I pulled up, that is what it means. Um, so don't <laughs> so at us if that's wrong. Don't, don't at me if it's at wrong. Google. Again, I failed French. 
So uh, that is what I found. So it is the most wildly planted grape variety. So it means that there's sort of lots of variation of flavor here, because at the beginning, if you remember, I kind of said the terroir impacts. Yep. You could have the same grapes and those same grapes could be planted in the different terroirs. And that can drastically change the flavors. The winemaking process of how you do it can change the flavors. And if that is the most widely planted grape, you're going to get a lot of variety from that. So, and I think that like terroir has always been like a massive thing in wine. I think we're starting to get it a bit in beer now, where, you know, hops are being grown in other places than their native land. Like we've got English Cascade being played around with an English Chinook and things like that so it's we're starting to get like beer is starting to get on that bandwagon agree um and yeah the one thing I'll sort of deviate into which isn't a Sauvignon Blanc but while we're on the topic of interesting facts I have um some facts about Rieslings as well okay I love because you know I know I'm you love Rieslings wine. I'm gonna have a Riesling me too um I can Highly recommend if you like Rieslings or you like sweeter wines, mm-hmm. Rieslings are the ones for you. I can highly recommend uh, Kung Fu Girl is what it's called. And I oh. used to get it in the US all the time as my for when I would have like holiday meals of family and we'd have some like a wine toast or whatever else. Uh, that would be my go to would be Kung Fu Girl because I like the art on it and I like the name of it. And it was a Riesling. So it tastes really nice. And you can get it over here in Costco. Oh, so, um, Costco that isn't near me. It's not near you, but I can get it and I oh, can bring it to you for right. your birthday. So Amazing. if you're nice, I drive by Costco <laughs> on the way to work. If you are nice to me, maybe you'll get a I bottle mean, of Kung nice Fu, girl. I mean, I might be picking you up a beer at the weekend. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, so Riesling's originated in Germany and have been around since the early 1400s. If not longer, but I think that's sort of the first recordings of when it came yep. about. But there's a potential that could have been around yeah. longer. Um, they were mentioned as Riesling. So this is what was really interesting. So they were mentioned as Rieslings in a book in 1546. Okay. That book was called Herbal by Hieronymus. And I don't know if I've pronounced that right, mm-hmm. but it's a very ancient name. So Like Hieronymus Bosch, who painted those scary paintings. Yes. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I'm not cultured enough, Joe. I don't know who that is. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. guess it's probably similar. Uh, but yeah, it was mentioned nearly 100 years before that in a state record, but it was mentioned under the name. And I'm going to butcher this because the way it's written is really odd. Okay. Um, I can't really say it, but it's Riblinger, mm-hmm. I think, Riblingen. And the reason I say it's written really odd is because it's like, R-I-E, and then there's something that looks like a squiggly capital B. That's S's. Oh. So how would you say that? So, like when, so you see that when they're talking about a mass. So like, you know, a glass, not a stein, it's a oh. mass. And they are, that is written M-A and that's squiggly B and it's a mass. Ah, so, so I guess it'd be Reislinger then. Yeah. Reislingen. Interesting. Go. I didn't Sounds know like that. Riesling. I didn't know that. I've just learned something right on the spot because there was nothing that said this is how you pronounce it. It was just yeah. like this is how it was written in estate records a hundred years before fifteen forty six. And I was like, 
Squiggly beads. No idea, squiggly beads. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a, I don't know, some type of like recording artist, squiggly beads. I've, I've learned a little bit of, of Spanish over time. Well, I I'm... languages, but I've picked that up from learning about masses and steins. I'm glad one of us knew that one. So <laughs> that's why we balance each other out. I get the yeah. facts. You tell me how to say the facts. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, Rieslings originated as a cross between you took French in past. So I'm going to guess you correct me. Gouet Blanc. G-O-U-A-I-S. No, that's probably right. Gouet. Gouet. Gouet Blanc. Uh, And that was a rare grape during the Middle Ages. And that was uh, it was that was crossed with a wild vine southern savannin, which was uh a hybrid parent of this grape mm-hmm. so those two blended to form the grape that is the riesling so interesting yeah it was quite interesting so they're one of the only few white wines that can be aged for decades oh wow interesting like it like to me interesting stuff the fact yeah. that you kind of i think tend to naturally think oh you can age wines for yeah, yeah. however long but Rieslings are one of the only white ones that can go for decades. So there you go. Those are my fun facts up. Um, and I do have my phantom wine-shaped well glass to drink this one out of. Let's tuck in. It smells beautiful. I'm getting like peach, melon. I am getting peach and melon. And tangerine. it smells... I can smell the citra in it, for sure. Yeah. And probably the motueka. Yeah. And yeah, a, a bit, bit of the line. Nelson. I think the Huel probably is a bit more subtle i i can smell i can smell a bit of melon but i think knowing what citrus smells like that's the one that i think is overpowering for me maybe it's because i can identify it if that makes sense oh it does smell nice though smells lovely i think out of all of them this one the hop flavor it's subtle but it does feed through into the taste as well it's interesting though because there is unless it's just my mouth being dry from the previous two because I haven't admittedly normally I have sips of water in between and this one I haven't and I'm getting that dryness still yeah, yeah. which is it's good still, like you can still get you can still get the fruitiness and then it have a dry finish yes it's more the dryness still comes through but it's not overpowering the fruitiness of this one I quite like it actually I like it I think if you're a wine person it's got the flavours that you expect, but the carbonation would, it doesn't quite work in a wine sense. I was almost going to say, I don't actually think it has the flavours you're expecting because I think there's more hoppiness. For me anyways, I'm getting more actual like hoppiness in I this. I suppose it depends on how herbaceous you're used to your beer, to your wine being. That's true. I feel like there's almost too much body i was gonna say i think i was gonna say i think the book oh literally you took the words out of my mouth (laughs) i was gonna say i actually think the body that comes through on this wouldn't be what you would align with a wine yeah and i think it would just be and maybe that's kind of what's for me bringing out that hoppiness more um and making me identify it more very clearly as a beer than yeah. as a wine. But it does, like you said, it has the, it is, the right flavours. It's called it's hybrid just... moments. So it's got bits of beer, it's got bits of wine in it. I think to enjoy this as a wine drinker, you would definitely have to also like beer. Yeah. 
Um, I, so. I don't think you could give this to somebody that was strictly a wine drinker and be like, try this. Yeah. They wouldn't be fooled. They might yeah. like it, but I don't think they would like it for the same reasons they like wine. And I yeah. don't think it's going to fool anybody if yeah. you handed them a glass of it. Um, it looks quite hazy. Yeah, it, it looks, looks like, like a, a beer herb, yeah. in all accounts. Yeah. And that, you know, that is not in any detriment to it. It's not it's a, a very lovely beer. Because I think it tastes really nice, and I really like it. But if we're if we're judging it based on would a wine drinker think this was a wine or get what they want to scratch an itch for wine with this, they might get some aspects, but I don't think it would be enough for them to be like, yeah, I'll have that over a glass of wine. And I almost get a little bit of nuttiness from it from that malt as well. And there's oats in it that can sometimes give you a bit of nuttiness. But you said the dryness is quite high, I think, for me. Like, even the more I'm drinking it, it's quite high. But you said that some wines have a bit of nuttiness to them. So they do. It was almond and let me quickly almond and hazelnut. Mm, So, you know, it said nuttiness, but it was it was nuttiness, including almond and hazelnut. I think like almond and hazelnut were the biggest ones, but you can get other things. So, I think the flavors might be there, but the body, the carbonation definitely beer yeah it is exactly as the name says really in my opinion hybrid yeah (laughs) i really like it i really like it i really like it as well and that i think it says a lot coming from you that you really because like for me i can say i really like it but i really like hazy beers um and i find that both i like nelson sovin as a hop and i think nelson sovin can be quite hit and miss with people Mm. um I think just the type of beers that it's used, not even the type of beers it's used, but the flavours that sort of come from it it can be quite hit and miss. Um, But yeah, I think for me, if I said I liked it, it'd be obvious because I I do think that a lot of like the hoppy beers that Phantom and Heist put out tend to be right up my alley anyways. I love a hazy beer. This is a hazy beer. It's fruity. It's got the dryness that I like. Um, it's just really it is a really nice hybrid wine and beer i think but yeah the fact that you're saying it as a person that's not naturally like yes yes, hoppy beers that says a lot i think i think so it's a nice beer it's very nice Mm. cool we're moving on to our final wine section of the night and we are going to have what you've already teased, <laughs> which is the Cool Ship 2022 Single Fooder Sour, which is the Wild Beer Co. Yeah, so it's from Fooder number one, 2022. Yep. So I'm a bit gutted that we've opened it because I wanted to sort of hold on to it longer, but also it made sense to have for this They're episode. They're also always really good. Yeah, so this is a, it's a style single fooder sour aged one year in Napa Valley wine fooder, number one. <laughs> like how they, they specify. Because they've one. got a lot, so they've got to label them. Uh, and then the flavours were apricot and stone fruits. Yeah. So I felt like it's 500 ml bottle and it's that fun shape. I love this shape bottle. bottle. Yes. It's fancy. 7.7% does look fancy. looks yeah. really, really nice. Yeah. Um, but I felt like the flavours in this sort of did represent a lot of the flavours that came up within white wine as a whole, although we've already established it's quite diverse. If you look at it, uh, I mean, 
it has a bit of an orange highlight to it. Yeah, I think. it's kind of orangey yellow, isn't it? <laughs> On the it's camera, it looks like iced tea. Yeah, it does. But it's when you actually it's hold it up dark. to light, yeah. it's not. Um, it's a lot, a lot darker than a wine would be, I think. I don't I think, think I've ever seen a wine that colour. For the video, I'm trying to think, like, can I actually it's show got a nice video? creamy white head on it, but it's got little streaming carbonation bubbles. No. Yeah. It's not working. <laughs> uh, but I think the thing, so if you're not sure what Cool Shit Beer is... We did an episode on that. So that episode. Go and watch that episode. Go and listen to that episode. Yeah, this um, one's the one that straddled. I feel like there was a few that like sort of yeah. uh, straddled the. But a cool ship beer um, is potentially blended, and of course, wines can be blended as well. So that uh, that with the flavour profile, we felt that we could use it in a white, white wine episode. It smells amazing, Ooh, and it smells funky. It's got the funkiness to yeah. it in the smell. Yeah, you've got a bit of acidity in there. Definitely getting apricot, peach. Yeah, definitely oh, peach for me. Amazing. Strong yeah, peach. peach. It smells, mine is sort of like the funkiness aside, the fruitiness that's coming through, it does smell like a fruity, a sweeter fruity wine, effectively. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, it's very tart as well. Nice and tart. It's like this it's lovely nice like, tartness, like a very sharp. Nice bit of acidity. Yeah lots of peach apricot but it's still got a nice dry finish it's i feel like it's dry and it's sharp yeah those would be the two fruity yeah. dry sharp stone fruit yeah dry yeah. and sharp would be the three main things that i'd probably it's say got about a little this bit, it's got a little bit of creaminess in it as well before it dries out i'd say yeah i would I agree really like to be honest i feel like at the moment we'll reevaluate this at the end but at the moment i would say this actually ranks higher than the white wine IPA in terms of yes. what I think a wine drinker would like. Yeah, I would say so. And it's got more complexity to it. And yeah. I think wine drinkers are used to that kind of complexity. And I think, to be honest, I feel like while beer co in general yeah. tends to make complex beers, oh, yeah. like you can get some stuff at the supermarket, you can get Bibble and Pogo yeah. and those ones, and those are their more, I guess, for lack of a better way core to range. describe them, core range. Yeah. yeah uh but they tend to do like the wild i mean the wild beers so that's their best stuff be more complex so yeah but this one being a food sour i thought maybe you could explain a little bit more on fooders in general yeah so fooders are generally made out of oak and they are large vats um, I think when I, I went and had a little Google of fooders, because I know how they use for beer. Um, if you just look up fooder, it tends to come up as a wine making thing. Um, so they're, they're quite tall and they're quite big. Um, whereas, you know, when you think of oak with beer, you kind of think of barrels. They are much, much bigger than a barrel and they can hold a lot more, beer, you know, depending on what size you get. They're generally much bigger than a barrel and they can hold a lot more capacity. Um, but the thing about a fooder, so in beer production, a fooder is particularly used when you're creating a Flanders red ale, um, which probably sits more with our red wine than it does our white wine. We'll refresh um, the red one. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll talk about that. But because a Flanders red ale, 
a lot of the character is coming from acetobacter which is a bacteria that gives that balsamic vinegar flavor that you get from that style of beer which is absolutely beautiful uh you know we're thinking duchess de bergon bergon de flanders Rodenbach. This is the kind of beer we're talking about. Did but you have the cherry duchess? I've got the cherry and I've got the have chocolate you had it? cherry in my fridge. I haven't had that. Oh, I'm so jealous because I, I, I had my one and only duchess with you and then I never got the cherry or the chocolate mm. one. And now I feel like I've missed out because now I can't find you. Anymore. I mean, I've still got them. <laughs> they are only 330ml bottles, so... It's just, oh, gorgeousness. I haven't drunk I didn't think I was going to like it and I, I know. absolutely loved it. Really good with cheese too. I really honestly, good with blue cheese. I didn't think I would like Flanders that much, like so Flanders, good. and then so good. I had them and I was like, oh, beautiful. But so the reason that a Flanders red is made in a fooder, uh, in a wooden fooder, is because that Acetobacter really likes that environment. It likes that, like the depth of it, and likes the wood, and so that's how you get you produce those flavors. Interestingly, a Flanders Brown or an old Bruin uh, beer is done in stainless steel because it doesn't need Acetobacter to do its thing to create that fun stuff in it. So are those um, the same styles then? No, they're two, like there's two different beers, but they're but they're both from Flanders, um, and their differences are old Bruin is in stainless steel and Flanders Red is in uh, Fuda. So there's your differences. Um, but so fooders are used in wine production as well, and they've been used in this beer. They are made from oak, so that's where you're getting those oaky flavours. Um, you also get vanilla because a chemical called lignin is added to the beer, and that is converted into vanillin, which gives you vanilla. Um, I was going <laughs> to ask if it gave cinnamon or... No, vanilla. Vanilla, um, okay, if, got it. If it's like... I don't, I don't know if fresh is the right word, but if it's like kind of clean oak, like nothing's been done to the oak before, then you will get vanilla. Um, you can also have it slightly untainted, toasted or charred. Yeah. Untainted oak. Toasted or charred, that's going to give you different flavours, uh, as I said at the beginning. And the longer you leave something in that oak, you then start to get coconut. So... Oakwood is really fun. Really interesting. The fact that the longer you leave it, the more coconut. So because it's made of wood, and you know, wood is porous as well. The beer or the wine soaks into the wood and then over time is pushed back out again and then is soaked back in again and pushed back out again. So you it gradually picks up all these different chemicals. And also because it's slightly porous, not like um, uh, bacteria and things like that, like the good stuff, not the bad stuff, can get in there and, you know, microorganisms can get in there and do their thing as well. So that's you get these really interesting complex flavours. That's, yeah, I feel like um, every time we talk about wood and like the barrel aging and like wood and beer and stuff and how it impacts the flavour just makes me want to talk to siren again only because like everyone's gonna be like oh siren you love siren it's like <laughs> only because they've got the spin bot and they do so much interesting things with wood yeah. and like the caribbean chocolate cake series like the types of flavors you can get out of some of their beers and like you've had some of them and we're like 
that's going to be the really word that's causing this so flavor and it's just yeah so 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 interesting i will i will say so i've been studying for my certified cicerone i'm gonna date this episode it's fine um and we've been doing different assignments and we did one where we so we have to write essay we have to answer essay questions so we answered one about what does wood do to be like that's a oversimplification <laughs> of the question but when you are reading beer justification program star guidelines for wood aged beer it specifically says like this does not include um like the fermentation with bacteria so i'm writing an essay question and i'm answering it and i'm like oh but because it's porous microorganisms can get in and bacteria and blood no 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 don't talk about that when you're writing this because we're talking about the wood we're talking about the wood get my i get it marked and it's like oh a lot of you forgot to say about microorganisms in the wood and i was like but bjcp says that's a completely different thing and you're not to talk about that cicerone says otherwise (laughs) and you can talk about it when it comes to wood and i was annoyed that's going to be the one thing you never forget. I'm never going to forget studying. that. And I was like, so I was really glad that we had that in in our conversation because I was like, I won't forget that because uh, like I specifically shied away from saying that in my essay because it says that's a different category, but Cicerone doesn't think that and it didn't pick up on that anywhere until I'd done my essay already. I was very annoyed. There's no it's just it's really interesting like the all the things that wood can do wood. <sighs> i really enjoy wood aged beers like it's it's such an interesting interesting subject it is uh the things that you can do with like wood and beer is just really interesting yeah and it's yeah. just the um, the range of flavors is more than people would realize uh, personally i think from yeah. from what i've read about seen physically tried myself like it's just i'm like oh that's a real like even sweetness and certain flavors you're like oh that's really quite sweet and it's like oh yeah that comes from like the wood <laughs> that they put in there I mean if you've listened to the episode we did with the cool ships and we did crocs and the cool ship and they had wood in there like that was so incredibly interesting um so much complexity happening there so yeah that was um this is just really, really nice it's to really sip lovely. on and drink. Yeah, it's really lovely. I really like, want to get I'm another just... one now and age it because I feel like I want to know what it's going to be I'm like I'm just aged. a really big advocate for Wild Beer Co. Like, they are one of my favourite breweries. I've been holding off. I've been, oh, not to date it's us so again, good. but I've been holding off buying the Hot Cross Buns beer because I'm like, oh, I yeah. really want it to see what it tastes like. I don't really like Hot Cross Buns, so... I have uh the Yodakoi, which is their sake. Yeah. The sake one that they've yeah. done. And I'm saving that for a special occasion. It's still in the box and everything, I think. I think I kept yeah. it in the box. Uh and I know my husband and I both like Japan. So I'm saving that for a very special celebratory moment. Like while Beer Co and Durations for Marta range from there barrel aging food aging cool ship range are beers i'm like i will splash out on those just so what what i will say i'm gonna make a statement here when it comes to wine and beer and i think while beer co i said what i said while (laughs) beer co i feel like they 
when it comes to what I would give somebody that likes wine, Wild Beer Co. would be the brewery that yeah. I would you could point probably them want to point them towards to be like, yeah, I think you so. can find some really interesting, complex things that I think if you like the complexity that you're getting in wine and the things that you like about wine, I feel like Wild Beer Co., their bottled range anyways, um, the barrel age and the stuff they just put in bottles full stop tends to be the more complex. They've got stuff. a barrel library. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really sad. I can't make it to the beer and cheese festival this year and I'm really sad about it. My, I was really looking one of to my it, work's offices is in Bristol and I'm like, I love the idea that like, oh, I've got to go to Bristol. But also that means that there's so many great breweries there, including Wild Beer Co. And I'm like this, if I'm not paying shipping on some of them, because like sometimes if I just want one bottle, I'm like, yeah. I want that one thing. And then I'm like, I can't justify shipping because I only want one bottle. Yeah. But if I'm there for work. Just pick it up. <laughs> just pick it up. Just picking pick up it up makes all the difference. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, I think when I turn to stuff that's interesting and yeah. complex and has that celebratory feel, whether it be in the bottle or the flavours or anything, while Beerco tends to be one of the breweries that I turn to for that because it's sharing bottles for celebrations. Plus they make champagne flutes. Exactly. And, and they make champagne They know what they're doing. Like they and know. I, I think this is the f- <laughs> this is the first time I've used this since you bought it for me. And it's like you have solid. to break it in with a wild beer co. Yeah. Like you can't yeah. I always I for my rule of thumb for my rule of thumb the first time you use a glass it has to has be to with be that <laughs> brewery's beer. I think that's a sensible statement. Like and it's I thought it was a lot thinner than it is like they're they're chunky no it's in the best possible way like like it's not it's not gonna be too emotional like (laughs) i like it a lot it's probably so i have an actual i still haven't finished wine because i'm good with it yeah but um this is quite thin in comparison like you Mm. can probably tell on the video yeah your flute you've got there with your wine in it's a lot thinner than a lot thinner i'll be a co-one solid dude Solid that food. that's gonna last like i'm happy with that <laughs> but yeah love wild beer co and i yeah. think they probably rank quite high on complexity and probably the most i don't want to say vinous because i don't want to say vinous because i feel like that two on the nose for this episode yeah but also like i love that not... as a descriptor though i love it yeah but not all of their beers are vinous not all, no not all their beers are vinous so i feel yeah. like that's not a fair thing to say but yeah, when it comes to complexity kind of like and and in the all of them no, with that description but i feel like a lot of their things are in a similar vein mm. as what the say what people like when they drink wine yeah. would be the same thing that we like when we drink while beer co and i yeah. feel like there's that crossover there so yeah i feel like out of all the wines we've had or the <laughs> beer the winey beers we've had so far wild beer co probably are the leaders in this so far i think so yeah uh so in summary i i think like my choice overall of everything we've had like i think we've had a lot of really really good beers so far on yeah episode. i think we did i think we did i think we did well pat, pat on the back I think at the oh, moment, wow. for me, while Beer Co. really leads it. I think so. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it will probably lead it in part two as well, because I feel like everything they do is what we get out of their beers is what I imagine 
beer uh, wine drinkers probably get out yeah, of I think so. wines there's that complexity and that just I don't know there's everything about it it's a sharing thing it's like a enjoying thing it's a sipping on it thing um yeah this is really nice how would you rate this then to finish it like in terms of wine in terms of wine I think I think wine bikers I think they would like it I think we could yeah I think we could definitely entice some people over with this one out of all the ones that you think we've had, I think like the color, if you had to they'd be them. like, oh, that's definitely a beer color. But well, I, think I don't even know flavor. if it's a beer color. I think they might think it's maybe more of like a, yeah, I guess you're right because there is a haze yeah, to it. There's, it's a beer color. Fair. Okay, I think it's too dark. Doesn't, but it doesn't taste as as thick as it looks. No. Like I think I feel like it tastes more yeah. full and it no. looks like it would taste more full but beer will thin out right over, consistency beer will thin out over time as it's as it's aged so that's fair but um yeah i think i think you could entice some people over with this one so if you had to go so you, we've had two wild beer cozy opening kazi and the cool ship we've had the brute ipa from castles and we had the um hybrid from the yep. phantom and heist which like if you had to rank them in order of what you'd recommend beer slash sparkling not beer wine slash sparkling wine drinkers what would you order them see i want to go for cool ship but i think that's because is that your bias because you really like it because i really like it so i think i want to go with minkazi brute ipa cool ship hybrid moments i think what i would probably say is the castles brew ipa would be literally yeah, top was, if we were like talking was, about yeah, like i was i was torn between that and then The thing is if we're one. talking about sparkling wine yeah it's 100 yeah. percent the castles brew ipa and i think that's exactly where it belongs and it fits but there for ease top. of getting hold of i'll be like go get an ninkazi for you can, sure you can get holding in cars really, that is something really to that is something that's worth noting yeah. like some of the wild beer co beers like yeah you can get a hold of these type of complex beers and we only easily. managed to grab this brute ipa because i i found it somewhere and went mm, i was gonna say doing an episode we, on that brute IPA we do have not it easy to find we did have it local to me that one as well but that's yeah. only because we had a shipment in of castles yeah and i don't think you find castles everywhere no so if we were taking that in cons- into consideration yeah. fair, if we're just doing flavour, I would say the Brute IPA okay. is number one when it comes to sparkling wine. Yeah. But wine overall, it would be like the Ninkazi, yeah. then the Cool Ship. And I think as much as I, I personally really enjoyed the collaboration of Phantom and Heist, yeah. in terms of where it sits on a wine scale, it's lower down, but I think it does exactly as it says. Yeah, I think it says it does exactly what it says on the can. Yeah. Cool. I think that sums up part one of our oh, wine episode, yeah. which is white wine and sparkling wine. So stay tuned for next week's, which will be red wine and rosé. So we might, we might be on the road when we do that one. So yes we probably will be on the road for that when we actually record that bit you might actually see us together we may be in sheffield in the same place (laughs) very rare you see us like together in the same place we very rarely record together except for like literally once or twice so 
Get exciting excited. times. Exciting <laughs> times. Uh, Joe. Yes. People want some more recommendations about fooders and champagne yeast. Where can they speak to you? Say they want to get a gift for their friend who loves wine and sparkling wine. Um, I'm going to tell you to go to Wild Beer Co. I mean, I can tell Fair. you that now. But like, if you'd like to come talk to me about, you know, champagne yeast and what's fooder and what's acetobacter i'll talk to you about that because acetobacter is real interesting um uh well we are a woman's brew on facebook instagram and twitter uh that's pretty much the podcast one now so even the twitter i'm gonna have a chat even the twitter even i made it to twitter and i don't even have to I be mean, on twitter I don't, really po- <laughs> I don't really post anything on that twitter so oh you know. just make me happy i've ticked off the twitter but, box. yeah we're, we're on twitter now <laughs> we're there a woman's brew come say hello i might respond Probably more likely on Probably Instagram not. than it is anywhere else. Um, <laughs> Maybe I don't, I don't, I don't know. Check, I don't check the Twitter. But um, uh, if you would like to learn about these excellent beer styles, uh, you can come to my beer school, which is Love Beer Learning. And we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and Pinterest. I'm mostly on Instagram. I've got a bit going on on TikTok um i've been a bit lame on pinterest lately but you know we'll we'll pick that up it's fine um we've also got a website which is lovebeerlearning.co.uk there's a really good blog there come and have a look um and we have an email address which is tori if you would like to ask you about your wine selections where can they talk to you uh, well, if you want to talk to me about wine selections, you're probably fucked because I am not very great at wine other than giving you one Riesling. And, and you've got actual wine variety. in your house and I don't. So. I do have actual wine in my house. And if you're going to drink a red wine, top tip, drink a Chianti Classico. Look for the red rooster on go. bottles. That's how you know I've gone and I've done a wine tasting in Italy. So therefore I feel. You've already got more wine, wine advice than I have already. I don't. It's I did one wine taste in Italy and I feel validated. <laughs> um, but you're probably more likely to be able to talk to me about Wild Beer Co. Because that's probably more what I know about. <laughs> that is way more my wheelhouse. You can come talk to me on Instagram at adventures underscore in underscore optimism. And I don't really have anything else to promote because i've been rubbish at keeping up with my blog uh maybe by the time this comes out i'll be better i don't know probably not um but i have made some fire tiktoks lately yeah your tiktoks are on fire (laughs) they're good like 30 whole minutes into the last one i did and that was just about my tolerance of attention span and yeah by the end of that i was like i will accept my oscar nomination now for best (laughs) film director so um that's where you can come talk to me until our new stuff launches i guess so yeah on that note let's go finish the rest of our beers cheers Cheers.